Today we want to talk about the expenditure side, and we need a plan, if we're going to manage our finances well, a plan for doing three things, for giving, saving, and spending. Uh, most of us mainly spend, <laughs> including myself, and so if we're not careful, that's all we'll do with our money. And so I'm going to share with you a very simple plan that we've followed for years, taught many, many people about it, and uh, let me share it with you. It's called the 10 10 80 plan. Very simple. It's a good starting point. Some of you are probably already doing this, but maybe for some of you it's new. So the 10-10-80 plan is a plan for managing our finances, for spending within our means. And so let's go through this a step at a time. First of all, we encourage everyone to give God, uh, did I fast forward a bit further? So there's our 10-10-80 plan. So first of all, to give 10% to God and His work. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. It was an agricultural society. With the first fruits, not the leftovers. The first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And so God gives us the very breath we breathe. He gives us talents, abilities. He provides work, employment for us. And so the first thing we want to do is honor Him, thank Him for that in our life. In the Old Testament, this was called tithing. The word tithe means a tenth, and it was the law. You had to tithe. In fact, there were a number of tithes. If you're interested in getting into that, Pastor Rob has a great blog called The Ancient Practice of Tithing. So it was a law in the Old Testament. As you come to the New Testament, um, we, we move beyond the Old Testament laws, and we move towards generous giving, where we don't give because we have to. We give because we want to. And actually, in the New Testament, all we have, if you're a follower of Jesus belongs to God. In fact, you can't sing, I surrender 10%. I surrender 10%. 10% to Jesus. Doesn't kind of work, does it? And so if you're a follower of Jesus, 100% all you have belongs to God. And so giving a tenth is just a reminder that in God I trust. Not in money, but in God I trust. And so just take a first tenth and give it to God's work here in the world. And then the second step in our 10-10-80 plan is to save 10%. Take another 10%. Come on, you got up in the morning, you went to work, you used your gifts and abilities. Save 10%, pay yourself, and put it in a savings or an investment account. Look at this proverb, Proverbs 21.20. The wise store up choice food and oil, but fools gulp theirs down. The NIV says, the Living Bible says, the wise person saves, everyone say saves, Saves for the future, but the foolish person spends, everyone say spends, spends whatever they get. This is 3,000-year-old wisdom. The wise save and the fools spend. Who would like to be wise? Anyone in the room want to be wise? Yeah, about half of us. Who would like, oh, the rest now. Uh, Who would like to be a fool? Anyone like to be a fool? This verse is saying if you're spending everything that you're earning, that's foolish. But if you're saving, you are smart, you are wise. And this is taught all through the book of Proverbs, which was written for young people. And young people, if you can get these principles down when you're young, I tell you what, you'll be on the path to financial freedom. Let's look at another part of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. Take a lesson from the ants. Anyone looked at an ant this week? 
Hopefully you didn't stand on one. Uh, uh, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and be wise. Even though they have no prince, no governor, no ruler, no pastor (laughs) to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering or saving food for the winter. Let's think about this. How many know ants are really small? Little bodies, little brains, but they're very, very smart. In the summer, when there's a lot coming in, they save, they store up for the winter. They save for the economic downturn in Ansylvania. Come on, work with me. And so when winter comes and there's no harvest, they've got some stores, they've got some savings. Well, how many know humans are bigger than ants? We have big bodies, we have big brains, but sometimes we're not as smart because when there's abundance, we don't save. We just kind of spend it all. And then when there's an emergency, suddenly we're in a crisis. When there's an opportunity to give or, hey, there's a mission trip going to Africa, I'd like to go. I don't have any savings. And then we're not able to do the things that we want to do. Savings creates freedom. And so we're exhorted here, not just to give. A lot of times in church we hear about giving. Uh, When's the last time you heard a message on saving? Well, here's one for you today. Take 10%, get an interest-paying account, and regularly, little by little, Proverbs Got another proverb here somewhere. Proverbs 13, 11. Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Proverbs 13, 11. Just get a savings account, pop a bit in there on a regular basis. You'll be amazed how much you will accumulate over time. The number one problem in the world today financially, coming up now, is that we spend more than we earn resulting in destructive debt. That's the number one problem in Australia today is most people are spending more than they're earning. There's more going on their credit card. The debt is increasing. That's the number one problem. And so, of course, the, num- the, 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 number, the, the number one key to financial freedom is to spend less than you earn and then save and invest the difference over a long period of time. It's got nothing to do with the amounts. You could be on half a million dollar income here. But if you're actually spending more than that, you're less healthy financially than someone who's on 50 grand a year, but who is saving. And so don't just decide to be a giver. That's a good thing. Decide to be a saver. Saver prepares you for the future. Now, now savings is good. You can get a savings account, a bit of interest coming in. Um, investments are where we get our money working for us. And there are many times of, types of investments, whether it's property or share portfolio or some business opportunity. There are many investments, and they can get some good returns for us. Passive income, while we're asleep, they're earning for us. But we also need to realize that there are risks with every investment. Ecclesiastes 5, 13 to 14, there is another serious problem I've seen in the world. Riches are sometimes hoarded to the harm of the saver, or they are put into risky investments that turn sour. How many know this could be in the business review? And everything is lost. In the end, there's nothing left to pass on to one's children. And so if you're able to save, great. If you're able to invest, even better. But read the fired print. Um, I've made some mistakes, Nicole and I, in investing, and we've learned from those mistakes. Uh, you might have heard the funny story about this successful business person, and a young 
uh, a young leader came and said, can I interview? How did you become so successful? And this successful business person said, uh, good decisions. The young person wrote that down, good decisions. And then there was a pause, and the young person says, well, how do you make good decisions? The successful person said, experience. The young person writes an experience. There was a pause, and the young person goes, how do you get experience? The business person says, bad decisions. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That, that's how life works. We, 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 we make some bad decisions. I remember Nicole and I were just married a couple of years in our marriage. We're working full time, you know, plenty, good lot of money coming in. And a friend of ours was a builder and he was doing this apartment in the city. And he says, why don't you buy an off the plan apartment, you know, without the stamp duty and everything. So yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We signed up and uh, we had it all going. And then later on, because we didn't actually read the contract, later on we discovered in the second year, a lift maintenance fee came in every year of $8,000. I mean, you know, $8,000 is a lot of money now. 30 years ago, it was like that totally busted our ability to do this investment. And so we ended up having to sell the apartment. We lost thousands of dollars on it. It was a very expensive lesson because we didn't read the fine print. And so make sure you understand the investment you're getting involved in. How many know if it sounds too good to be true? It probably is. Get advice. Get counsel. Again, there's lots of good investments, but measure the risk and make sure that you do so with as much knowledge as possible. And then the third part of our plan is to take the remaining 80% uh, and use those for our expenses. So we've honored God, we've saved for the future, now endeavor to live on 80% of less. This is where we pay for our food and our transport and our housing and all these kinds of things. We can enjoy life a little because we've got a plan, we're giving, and we're also saving. Now, living on 80% is easier to say than do. And this is where we've got to be aware of what I call major budget busters. And the number one budget buster for all humans is something called impulse buying. <laughs> impulse buying is when we buy things on the spur of the moment, motivated by emotion rather than logic. It's the number one budget buster. Some of us in the room, if we're honest, just the sight of the word sale gets our heart beating a little bit faster. Two for the price of one. Normally $100, today $50. And you buy it and you come home and say, honey, I saved $50. No, you just spent $50. But we get easily trapped to buy stuff on the spur of the moment, in emotion. You know, sometimes we're buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Not you, but other people do this. Uh, you know, when it comes to impulse buying, research teaches us that women do this far more than men. They do. Women, women are more prone to impulse buying. But men do it with larger amounts. Did you, did you, did you feel the room? We lost the women and then they came back in force. <laughs> See, guys, that extra pair of shoes is probably not going to bust the budget as much as that brand new TV stereo system you bought. Now, no, no elbows. Just look straight ahead. There's a marriage seminar coming. <laughs> ah, there's a bit of, bit of stuff happening in the room here. 
How do I know all this? Experience. How did I get experience? Bad decisions. Earlier on in our marriage, we wanted to buy a barbecue. So out I went looking for the humble barbecue. But when I got there, they had a massive sale on. We had a bit of money in the bank that week. And so I came home with this barbecue with all the bells and whistles, all the accessories. They threw in for a little extra money, one of those gas heaters for next to the barbecue for those cold nights. And so I came home with barbecues galore. And Nicole's going, do we really need it? Oh, no, it was on sale. It was all fine. Well, the next month, we got a couple of unexpected bills. A couple of utilities were higher than normal. Can I say it took over a year for us to recover from my barbecues galore moment? In fact, today, 32 years of marriage, Nicole and I Often we'll be talking about something, and we have, how many know every, every relationship have you kind of, your insider little knowledge and terminologies? Um, we, we'll be looking at something, and we'll both go, let's not do a barbecue galore. <laughs> and it's a trigger. Remember, we just wanted a barbecue, but we did all that. It was okay for the moment, but we paid for it for many, many months, as it actually created a lot of pressure um, over time. And so just because you can afford it now doesn't mean you need it. Just because it's on sale doesn't mean you should buy it. And so we've got to be on guard. In fact, there's an entire industry that exists to make you dissatisfied with what you have now. It's called the advertising industry. God bless all the marketers in the room. You know, Jesus has this little phrase to his disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Remember that? That's about mission, but it also applies when you go to the shopping center. <laughs> because everyone out there wants your dollar. And they're wanting to let you know what you have now. It's not new enough. It's not fast enough. It's not cool enough. You need this new model. And when you get this new item, how many know life will be better? Physical things always oversell themselves. And they under-deliver in making life better. Life is not measured by the stuff that you own. And so we've got to be on guard against impulse buying. And what about debt? You know, debt can be used strategically. You know, if you take a mortgage out to buy a house or an apartment, then at least you've got an appreciable asset, an asset that's hopefully going up in value. And if you needed to, you could sell the house, pay off the debt, and you'll be okay. But if you put $10,000 on your credit card, go into debt for a holiday, how many know you can't take your holiday and pay off the debt? Like your wonderful photos, as beautiful as they are, someone's not going to pay you $10,000 for them. And so we need to be careful in this area of debt, what's actually a debt that's going to add value to our life versus a debt that's going to be destructive. Debt puts us in bondage, it creates pressure, it can take away our joy and our peace, and it hinders our ability to give and to bless others. So, 10-10-80 plan. Very, very simple. Pretty basic. Now, some of you looking at that and going, yeah, I can do that, or I am doing that. Some of you go, I, I couldn't do that. If you can't make the 10-10-80 plan work for you, you've got two options. One is to earn some more money. Maybe upgrade your skills, get a 
higher paying job or work some overtime or take on a part-time job. They're all options. You could increase your money so you can do this. But of course, those decisions have ramifications. Or secondly, you could reduce your expenses, downsize your living standard to match your current income. Is it amazing wise piece of advice in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6. Better one handful. Everyone say one. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls. Everyone say two. Two handfuls with toil, which means stress, and chasing the wind. I cannot overestimate the wisdom in that one sentence. Better one handful with peace, tranquility, joy, than two handfuls, twice as much, with the stress and the toil and the pressure that comes with it. I was speaking on this in my last church where I pastored, and at the end of the meeting, a couple came forward and chatted to me. I recognized the woman. She was a part of our church with her was her husband. He wasn't a Christian. It was his first time in church. And the pastor's talking about money. So I was a little nervous as to what's coming next. As it turned out, they said, you were talking to us today. We have this huge house with a huge mortgage, just the two of us living there. We're both working full time just to cover the mortgage. And we've got tension in our marriage. Number two cause of marriage breakdown today is financial conflict. And they said, we heard that scripture, we thought, you're speaking just to us. Would you pray for us? And so I didn't tell them what to do. I just prayed that they'd have the courage and wisdom to think about their situation. Anyway, about six months later, I saw them again. Huge smiles on their face. They said, guess what? We sold a house and we bought a smaller house with a smaller mortgage. And the wife is now working part-time. We're starting a family and my husband's become a Christian. So exciting, so much joy. And I just looked at that and thought, wow, better one handful. They're in a smaller home with a smaller mortgage, but the joy that they had in their life. Has anyone heard of minimalism? If you haven't, just go to Dr. Google on your internet and type minimalist. There's an entire movement today called the minimalist movement. In fact, there's a documentary that you can watch. Our culture is realizing the continual accumulation of more and more stuff is actually not making us happier at all. I took our kids to Africa first time, and my second son, Ashley, said, you know, Dad, these kids have nothing, but they're so happy. At home, we've got everything, and there's not the same joy. And our culture is realizing just more and more and more and more stuff is not making our lives better. In fact, in places like Australia, most of us have two-car garages, but we don't put our car in the garage because all our stuff's in the garage and the car won't fit. <laughs> Come on, just look straight ahead. In fact, you know one of the fastest-growing businesses in Australia today? The self-storage business. Because we don't have enough room on our house, we need to pay for storage to keep all of our stuff. The minimalist movement is saying, maybe less is more. Maybe you should hold every item in your hand and say, does this bring me joy? If I didn't have this today, would I buy it? Maybe we need to trim down. It's an entire grassroots movement around the world today. And you know what? If they would have just read Ecclesiastes 4.6, the writer to this book was saying it 3,000 years ago. 
And so I don't know about you, maybe this 10-10-80 plan, you go, I'm not sure I could do this. Maybe it's time to downsize a little bit or have a garage sale or go to eBay and that stuff that you got sitting there that you haven't touched for two years, one person's trash is another person's treasure. Maybe it's time just to clear some stuff out, got a bit of income, put that on savings. Maybe your answer. See, sometimes we think the solution to our financial situation is to get more money. Not always. Sometimes it's actually reducing and downsizing our footprint in the world. That was for someone here today. And so this 10-10-80 plan, as I said, it's so basic. A 10-year-old could do this. Uh, Nicole and I have done our best to practice this for decades in our marriage. Our kids are all in their 20s. They have done this. And they've got savings. We didn't charge our kids board if they would save. If you're paying board, just ignore what I said. <laughs> but we taught our kids to save and to prepare for the future. Uh, we did this in my last church. We made sure that we were giving away at least 10% of the income coming in to the community, to missions. Uh, we, we saved at least 10% a year, and we controlled our expenses. Uh, I know many businesses that do this. I can tell you stories of people that heard this for the first time that were in ten thousands, tens of thousands of dollars of debt, and in a few years, they were financially free. These principles really, really do work if you will embrace them in your life. And so my motive in sharing this two-part series, Your Personal Money Makeover, is not because Bayside needs more money. Uh, Bayside's healthy financially. Again, we could always use some more money. Uh, how, how much, you know, how many of the gospel's free? Yep, gospel's free, but ministry actually costs money. It costs money to run a building, to um, provide resources for kids and staff. And uh, How much ministry can you do with $10? $10 worth. How much can you do with $100? $100 worth. How much can you do with $1,000? How much can you do with a million? You get the point. So if you've got a spare million in your account just feeling lonely, Bayside could use it. <laughs> But that's not the motive for this series. It's actually not about giving. It's about holistic financial management and hopefully will be a blessing to you. And so as we come to wrap up today's message, uh, I wonder what your response is today. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're doing really well and you go, yep, got that. It's happening. And I just say, well done. It's, you know, this is common sense, but how many know common sense is not as common as it used to be? So if you're doing well and you just go, fantastic, Mark, I want to I congratulate you today for managing your finances well. But, but maybe if you're honest, you go, oh, this is a little challenging and maybe there's some changes you need to make. Could be in the area of giving. Maybe you haven't even started giving yet or maybe you're an occasional giver if there's a little left over. Maybe for you it's uh, moving to a consistent giving just of that first part of your income. Uh, maybe for you, you're giving but saving. You, you, you really haven't seen the value of saving. Maybe that's your response. Or maybe it's just reducing some of those expenses. Could it even be that there's a, a moment of some downsizing to reshape your finances with a little less, but maybe some more peace in your world? Or maybe here today, and if you're honest, you're under a, a mountain of debt that's accumulated over years. And uh, if you're in a lot of debt, it, it's not going to change overnight. But the decisions you make today could determine whether your future becomes different than your past. And so get some counsel, get some advice. Uh, don't just keep on that trajectory. 
towards more and more destructive debt. Make some courageous decisions today. You know, ultimately, there's a lot more to life than money. Money's important, but obviously our relationship with God is most important. Our relationship with one another. How many know you can be in a really expensive home, but if your relationships are tense, <laughs> that home's not worth nothing to you? I'd rather live in a shack and have peaceful relationships than a mansion and have all the tension. Relationship with God, relationship with one another, they're more important than money. But our money really, really does matter, and I hope these principles have been a help to you today. How about we pray? Let's do that. Father, we thank you today. You are interested in all of our life, not just our spiritual life, not just our relationships, not just what's happening in church, but you're interested in our work. You're interested in our finances. And so I commend those that are doing really, really well today. Bless them and may they be a blessing to others. Lord, for some that uh, have been challenged with this series, maybe to be a regular giver or maybe to get some savings happening in their life or maybe just to get control of their expenses. Lord, would you give them the courage, the faith and the wisdom that they need? Lord, for some that may actually be living beyond their means, that have some tough decisions to make, Lord, help them in those decisions. Lord, for those that are really, really struggling financially, Lord, sometimes we get stuck. And when you're stuck, it's okay to ask for help. And so I pray that uh, any in that situation would get the help that they need to move forward in their finances. And ultimately, I pray for Bayside to be filled with people who are prospering. They have their needs met and they've got enough to give away so that we could truly be blessed, but we could also be a blessing to others. That's my prayer today. In Jesus' wonderful name, everyone said amen.